listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them, can they? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, and the new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost. And so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. The word of God for the people of God. All right. So if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Elisha. I am the associate who gets the pleasure of bringing you the word occasionally on top of all the other fun jobs that I do. Um, Pastor Dan is away in France for a couple weeks, and so I didn't want you to miss him too much. So don't worry, at least we're going to get his style today. (laughs) Unlike Dan, I own one Jesus t-shirt, and so I pulled it out just for you guys because I don't want you to miss him too much. So now, I hope you guys are ready. We're going to turn back to the text. Last week, Pastor Dan talked about how when Jesus addressed the paralytic man with the statement, your sins are forgiven, it was the first of many times that Jesus will square off against the religious leaders of his day in Mark. Well, today we get another time in which he stepped on the toes of those religious leaders. There are a few key points in these verses And I will go through them again slowly, and then there will be some at the end if you want to take notes at all. Um, So, verse 13, Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. Our passage opens up with Jesus asking Levi to follow him. Just as a side note, for those who don't know, Levi and Matthew are the same person. 
Levi is his Hebrew name, while Matthew is his Greek name, to work for the Roman government as a tax collector. Uh, there needed to, he needed to blend into the Roman society. I might accidentally use the names interchangeably, and now you'll know to whom I am referring. So we're going to unpack this just a little bit. Being a tax collector had many more connotations for an original hearer of this story than it really does for us. Some of us shudder at the mere mention of an IRS audit. However, that's not quite the same as what's going on here. Um, these tax collectors were sellouts. They were people who were community members who changed sides. They were Hebrews working with the Roman government, collecting not only the taxes that were due, but also upping the charge to uh, receive their own income as well. They added a surcharge of sorts, and they weren't regarded by many in a very loving way because of this. These tax collectors worked with Rome to keep the Jewish community under their thumb, to keep them in check and profiting on top of all of it. So Jesus calls him by name, and Levi just gets up and he follows him. No hesitation, no questions. We're not even told any other backstory about him. This makes me stop and think, for real? No questions. If someone came up to me, hanging out at church, and said, hey, just come follow me, <laughs> you better believe I'm going to have questions. Um, I'm going to have some hesitation. I'm going to have a lot of discomfort and a lot of really uncomfortable laughing, and I will find my way out of that situation really quickly. But not Levi. He gets up and he just follows. I could stop here and say, if you're hearing God call you, you should just drop everything and follow like Matthew did. However, I'm going to share with you part of my story. I heard this call into vocational ministry when I was 15. Right here in this very pulpit, I got to preach my first sermon. And now most of you all know that I just became a licensed pastor back in April at 39 years old. So if I was to tell you to just stop and follow God's call on your life, it would be laughable, to say the least. Uh, this part of Levi's story resonates with me so deeply. Levi was a tax collector. He was wealthy. He was working for Rome. He had the army to back him. And though he was looked down upon by his own countrymen, he was honored by the Romans. When I started talking about becoming a pastor, I remember being questioned if I would make enough money. I also remember wondering if I would even be able to afford school knowing what the income is at the end. And when I finally got started, not only did I think that myself, but those were the questions coming at me. Previously, I was a business owner. All our needs and our desires were covered. Our kids were well spoiled. Um, I was working only about 10 hours a week, and Dad was mostly staying home. We were in our early 30s, and we were living a snowbird lifestyle. We were coming here to New York every summer and heading back to Arizona when the, the weather changed. From the outside, it looked like we had it all. To follow what God was asking for me meant giving up that income, that lifestyle, the level of security 
that I once had in my own abilities and skills, but God was looking for me to put my reliance on him instead. That feeling, that knowing, that quiet, still voice was calling me out of that comfort, out of the known for the unknown. We knew we were supposed to be back here. Now, even with all that we gave up to come back, do you think I would immediately begin to jump into vocational ministry? Of course not. I came up against so many barriers, so many difficult men in ministry who wanted and could control my path, and heartache ensued, and then flowed my questions, so many questions to God, to those around me, to my friends back in Arizona, to really anybody who would listen to me lament for a few years. My parents are here. They can attest to this. Um, And then I just said, forget it. And I stopped following through. And I started another business because I could trust in me and I couldn't trust in God's plan for me. But eventually, I did start going back to school. And I finally listened to his whisper to come back home here to Brockport First Baptist. Slowly, it's all making sense to me. I feel like I'm following one step at a time, but I will never tell you following God's call on your life is easy. When God calls you, I agree that you should follow, but I want to make sure you know it's also okay to ask questions, to talk with your friends, to seek out wisdom, but it's also okay to jump right up like Levi did and follow. Um, And maybe what God is calling you to isn't a super drastic change like he did to, to me and my family. But maybe it is. And maybe don't wait 22 years like I did. (laughs) Um, But if you've already waited this long, I do want to say it's not too late also. Um, I get reminded of that because I still haven't started my master's degree yet, and I think, oh my goodness, but I'm so old. Um, And I know that that's not true. People remind me constantly that I can go back. So Levi is called and follows immediately, and then Jesus joins him for dinner. We're going to jump into verse 15. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. To the Jewish person at that time, it would have been appalling for Jesus to call a tax collector out of the whole crowd. That was walking around with him. It's a whole next level for Jesus to then share a meal with him. This was absolutely not okay in their culture. Remember, these tax collectors represented a repressive government system, a system that was broken and hurting the Jews, taking what wasn't theirs to take in contact with Gentiles regularly. And now Jesus, whom they viewed as a great teacher, was sitting with the worst of the worst and eating with them. Another side note, someone asked me recently about what sin is. At the very core, sin is separation. The way we view this today is anything that breaks our connection to God, to one another, to the earth, and within ourselves. 
Sinners at the time of Jesus would have been anyone that wasn't Jewish, so Gentiles, but also any unclean Jew based on Jewish law. We did go deeply into this in our study of Leviticus, so I'm not going to veer too off course. If you missed that series, it's all on the website. But anything that broke Levitical law made one unclean and needed to be separated from Jewish community. So, here Jesus is now breaking this Levitical law himself, sitting with these sinners and these tax collectors. This would have rendered him unclean. And the scribes of Pharisees ask, why does he eat with them? But Jesus boldly replies, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. They've come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. He continues to show up to the people who need him most. The religious people of the day, they didn't think they needed anything from him. The sinners, they knew they did. They felt his call and they followed. His sharing their table meant so much to them. It implied friendship, approval, love. This is true fellowship. In Matthew 9:13, the same story is recounted in another gospel, the one attributed to Levi himself. Um, has Jesus further telling him to go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's firmly pointing in their pious direction and saying, even though you have given me sacrifice after sacrifice, you are still not getting it. I adore how the message interprets Jesus' response here. Um, the message is not a verse-by-verse -verse translation, so I'll read both 12 and 13. Jesus, overhearing, shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Folks, we are not here for religion's sake. We're not here for ourselves. We're not here to point our fingers at who's doing it wrong, nor are we going to pat our own backs if we're doing it right. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. We're not here to get our check mark on a Sunday morning. Okay, we made it to church. We're not here for the music, not the message, not friends. We're not here to go through some motions. By Jesus telling us to follow him through the story, he's asking us to figure out what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. We are here for each other, but we're here for all of the each others, not just in this building, but outside too. We're here to make our relationship right again with God and with each other. We're also here to make our relationship right with the earth and within ourselves. We are here to, to let God heal that separation. We're here to find injustice and stand up for those without voices. We're here to give mercy to everyone and to anyone who needs it. We are here figuratively and on first Sundays, literally, to sit at the table with the thems in this room and share a meal. 
Pastor Dan shared last week about the communal nature of faith, and that has stuck with me all week as I've been preparing, how Jesus healed the paralytic based on the faith of his friends. Can I tell you, without my friends, I would not be standing here today. I shared earlier how I came up against a lot of barriers to becoming a pastor and just being in vocational ministry in general, especially against men in ministry positions who told me through their words and their actions that I wasn't good enough, that there wasn't space at the table. I didn't fit their mold. I was an outsider. I needed friends in my life to speak truth up against the other things that I was hearing. Those friendships with other people attempting to follow Jesus through the ups and downs of life, they would not have been solid or real if I was just going through the motions. If I was here for my check mark, if I only showed up to church once a month, those friendships wouldn't have been there for me. So in all those places, even when those voices were telling me I wasn't good enough, I was serving in any capacity that they could use me and that they were willing so that I could feel like I was part of the fixing, part of the solution. To be completely honest, I still have days that I struggle showing up, and I'm still so thankful for those friends who do continue to tell me that I am good enough. When we don't feel like it, we still have to get up and follow. I have to show up to whatever I've been called to, ready to not only give mercy to those who need it, but also to receive it, because there are days when I need that too. Who am I kidding? I need mercy every day. Sometimes just the very act of being here and welcoming all the outsiders in with a smile or a fist bump is so needed. You can make yourself vulnerable enough to introduce yourself, start a super awkward conversation about something real, say something completely odd and rethink yourself over and over all week. Oh wait, is that only me? (laughs) Because I know I do it every week. Um, But this can make a difference in your life, and it could make a difference in somebody else's too. So I want you to take a breath and meet somebody new today. I want you to be the welcome that that person needs. We're all at the same table with Jesus. We're collectively sinners, and Jesus came for us. Not Not only the healthy, not only those good people out there who we think that they've got their stuff together, I can tell you they only look like they do. Not only the people who look religious, he came for us all, and he's calling us all to follow and share at his table. Okay, I've digressed a little bit. We're going to turn back to the text. Verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them, can they? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, otherwise the patch pulls away from it. 
the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst, and the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. We're making quite a shift in the message now. Jesus was eating with these tax collectors and sinners. He is literally fellowshipping with everyone at the table. Everyone has enough to eat, and they probably have quite the feeling of a party going on as Jesus is spending time with them. And now he gets this question posed, why are they eating at all? Why are your disciples not fasting like the rest of them? I want to take a minute and ask you. So this is where you actually have to talk to me. What does a wedding represent to you? Celebration. Commitment. Unity. I like it. A big party. Um, I go to weddings all the time. I'm pretty sure that there's a huge group of people that think it's also an excuse to just throw all caution to the wind. Um, spend a lot of money. Um, so weddings back then, I'm going to over-exaggerate a little bit. When I was researching, I, this is kind of like the idea that came up most often. Um, the weddings in Jesus' time were five to seven days in length, and abundance seemed to flow, with many weddings taking place during the harvest season. So they were real celebrations of the merging of families, where wine and food were available to all who were invited to celebrate. And here, Jesus likens himself as the bridegroom. We see this analogy over and over in the New Testament. Just as you would celebrate a marriage at a wedding, at that same celebration, you're not going to be mourning the potential divorce that's in the future. You are just celebrating. So here, Jesus is saying his disciples don't need to remember Jesus and seek God the same way as the Pharisees and John's disciples through fasting, because here he is, he is sitting with them. Jesus' very presence and invitation to the table is worth a party. His disciples already knew hunger and fasting when he called them to follow. They dropped everything, and Jesus is with them. It's time for this celebration. He explains it even more profoundly when mentioning the new patch on the old cloak or the new wine in old wineskins. So guys, I almost cut these verses out at the beginning of the week because I'm like, these have never made sense to me. I have always been left in this feeling of discomfort about these verses, so that's of course why God has me preaching on them. And so I just kept praying, like, I want to understand these verses so that I can share with you guys. And now, I can't unsee what Jesus is saying. So we could continue with the wedding analogy a little bit, where you would wear your finest cloak or your finest garments, and the wine would be flowing freely. And Jesus is saying that you can't take the old worn clothes and just sew a patch to make it look great again. Same with you can't take new wine and just reuse your old skins. So here he's telling us that we can't just fix the old by putting something new on it. The Jewish religious elite could not just take Jesus' teaching and add it to their already long list of laws. We can't just reuse and do what we've always done. 
Jesus is calling us out of this comfort, calling us to sit with the tax collectors and sinners, calling us to celebrate, and calling us to newness in life with him. As humans, we will always start with our given set of circumstances. We will always start with where we are at and what we're comfortable with. Only God can and does make everything new when you allow him the space and the opportunity, and it's cause for a party. It's cause for a celebration in only the way that God can do. Okay, so now what? We've gone through all the verses. I have three points for you because all good sermons have three points, just like three announcements, right? So first, God is calling all of us somehow. It could be as simple as a shift in thinking. Maybe it's a shift in behaviors, and maybe it's more radical. If you've not decided before to fully follow Jesus, maybe that is what he is calling you to. Maybe he's asking you to leave the old behind and allow him space to make you new. Maybe he's asking you to serve at church, to put a bad habit down, to pick up a new habit. Maybe he's asking for something more. Only you're going to know what's between you and God. If this is something you want to talk more about, let me know. I love to help unpack this for people. Now that you know part of my story, you understand why I love helping this unpack for people. Because I am also on a journey, and sometimes it helps to verbally sort all of that out. One of my regular prayers is to ask God for his voice to be louder than the noise that I am surrounded by. And so I implore you, if you want to take that prayer for yourself, please feel free. Next, I want you to look around here. Really look around. Some of you are looking. Thank you. Thank you. We are surrounded by other sinners and other tax collectors, fellow disciples, who are just trying to follow Christ the best they can in this moment. I want to ask you to come face to face with your own stuff and realize that we can support each other in ways that we never thought possible when we allow Christ to challenge us and change our old ways. Start to realize that we are all a mess and that Jesus sat with people just like us and also people just like those you hate. On top of this, there are way more people who are outside these walls who may just need this kind of environment to feel loved and accepted. Which brings me to my second point, invite people in. Be willing to be vulnerable and invite people to a place in which all are welcome at the table, all have a place. I have adored our new hymn for this very reason. We truly are a body of believers trying to do our best for the community inside and outside our walls. Everyone does have a place at the table, but they may not know that until you take the step forward and invite them. If you haven't heard our new hymn yet, that's what we're singing next. And my last point for today is don't waste the coffee. 
I'm going to say it again. Don't waste the coffee. Thank you. <laughs> for those who've been making coffee for the last few months, they told me that we, they, this week we had a conversation about how much they're getting rid of. And I'm like, that's really funny. That's one of my points this week. <laughs> there is time and space here available for you guys to get to know each other. We want you to hang out even if it's awkwardly in the corner until somebody comes up to talk to you. We want you to be a part of what we're doing here. We want to know you, what makes you tick, and what you've seen and done. We want to create a system of friendships here so that when you're ready to fall apart, you know where your people are. You know who you can count on to pray with you, and you know who you can cry with, and you know who can celebrate with you. I've also loved our potluck time as I've seen more people enter into conversations that may not have otherwise. Um, so allow some space during our next potluck. That's on first. I know there's a few visitors with us. That's on first Sundays every month. Um, and we want you to sit with somebody you don't know. Even if you've both been coming to this church for 10 years, sit with somebody that you've never had a full conversation with. We want this to be a place that changes lives, this to be a place in which Jesus truly meets you right where you're at and helps you become his new creation. So stop, listen to the call, invite others to do the same, and get to know those around you. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your willingness to speak to us still today, for your word and for the opportunity you give us to be your hands and your feet, inviting others to the table to share in your celebration. God, if there's someone here today struggling to hear from you, I ask you to make your voice louder than the noise around us. Help us to be people who show up, who are ready and willing to allow you to change us, change us into new creations. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at Brockport FB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.